0: Hello, Sobertown. Let's jump on that sober train and ride into the wonderful world of sobriety. You can find all our podcasts and more at SobertownPodcast.com. My name is Bill W., and my co host and partner is Kira.
1: Hi, everyone. This is the third episode of the Uncovering Happiness podcast. Our hope for this podcast is to share stories about uncovering happiness so that you might do the same in your
0: life. Today, we have Samantha. She is a 36-year-old mother of four from Sharp Chapel, Tennessee. She has three years of recovery under her belt this year, and we've invited her to join us on our podcast to share her journey of uncovering happiness in her life.
1: And before we begin, we've created a tradition here with starting with a moment for mindfulness to transition from whatever we were doing before to this present moment, and also to remember the people we've lost by addiction or suicide to send out compassion and hope to those who are touched by the suffering from mental illness and addiction and self love for ourselves. Let's just take 30 seconds now to come into the present moment and to honor those we love. you so much for sharing in that moment. Samantha, welcome.
2: Hi, nice to be here.
1: Oh, we're so happy to have this conversation with you today. And we're going to jump right in. So our first question is, what does uncovering happiness mean to you? Uncovering
2: happiness to me means a lot of self-care. Um, finding out what's important to me after addiction, I guess, finding myself again, setting goals that I want to obtain.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So what, what type of self-care, like what, is, what does self-care look like for you these days?
2: Spending time with my family and my higher power are two of my top priorities. Every morning I get up and I read a devotional or a, a positive email that helps me start my day and doing things like I recently got a job. I haven't worked in years, so being able to provide helps me feel good about myself.
0: That's awesome.
1: When you said, um, finding yourself again. Um, I feel as though that's really common for people who have gone through recovery. It's, it's either one of two things. They, they were never happy or never knew themselves, or it was something that they lost in the process of addiction and then are trying to find it again. So either to find it for the first time in recovery or to find it again Something that they lost. Um does that sound like what you've experienced?
2: Yeah, a little bit of both. I feel like I lost the joy of being a parent or being productive in my community. I used to do those things before addiction. So I feel like I kind of lost that. Um, I always believed in a higher power, but I think I found that in early recovery that was something brand new to me that helped me more than I can put into words so I also regained things that I lost but I also found something new that I can lean on every day
0: that's great I love that I think that's really important is that in recovery there's like, there's so much to that we used to have that we used to love doing. And maybe we didn't even realize that we liked it so much until we lost it. Yeah, and absolutely. That's that's such a common theme these days. It's like, well, you never know what you what you had until it's gone. But luckily, we have the opportunity to to look back at that and say, oh, what was that thing that made me happier? What were those things that I was like really really meant a lot to me um yeah yeah
2: Great. rediscovering those things
0: hmm. contributed
2: a lot to my happiness i guess getting back to my my old self. So it's really funny how people say your old self passes away and you become something new when you find recovery and that's hmm. true but at the same time i've rediscovered what made me happy as
0: well. Mm. So it's like your old self went away, but your old old self old
2: self came back. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so fun. I never thought about it that way. But yeah, that does make sense because a lot for me anyways, a lot of the things that I find myself doing these days are things that I enjoyed in my teenage years or younger, you know, like that time before addiction and you're just free to do whatever you wanted in the world. Yeah. You could be a dreamer. Awesome. So, can we move on to the next question here? So, who are you now? Where are you on your journey to uncovering happiness?
2: I don't know exactly where I I can put myself on my journey, but right now, my dream is to become a peer recovery specialist. That's halfway met I've done my 40-hour training to do that I still have to do the 75 hours in in the field Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, that's a short-term goal for me my long-term goal to uncover my happiness would be to get some resources in this little town and help others that are maybe curious about what life would be like not an active addiction or to give them a a helping hand to, to come out of that hole, because here there's nothing really. You have to go 50 plus miles to get a resource other than jail. Wow. And so that's a big part of my happiness, being able to give hope to somebody struggling.
0: Hmm. Was there, was there someone that, And you don't have to give their name if there, you know, if there is a person, like you said, there's no resources around you. Like, what were your resources? I actually
2: had to travel to Nashville, which is four and a half hours from where I'm at, to go to a rehab.
0: Wow. Wow.
2: Other than that, it was state prison, because, of course, I got myself into trouble and active addiction. Hmm. And that's
1: actually where I got sober.
0: Yeah, that's, that's cool.
1: I love that you want to, you want to give back and make it easier. And that's one of the things that I can relate to on my own journey. Um, I mean, I'm from Southeastern Pennsylvania and it is inundated with resources, but yet there's still addiction, um, epidemic there. And I think, even with resources, if they're not the right resources to reach someone, because you know we're all so unique, and there are so many different pathways to recovery, pathways to happiness. And for me, I went through a number of different therapists and supports until I found you know something that worked for me. And it it led me to wanting to help people in different ways because I wanted to make sure that nobody was falling through the cracks. And it sounds like where you are, it's even more needed. And I just think that's very honorable that that's a big part of your personal, personal dream.
2: Yeah. My, my journey into recovery took a lot of tragedy and a lot of jail time. And just from my experience, Jail time doesn't help heal the mind and the heart. I understand we do wrong in our addictions and we have to pay for those crimes. But in little towns like this, maybe even big towns, there should be some kind of mental health resource for people that are suicidal or in addiction or struggling with whatever it may be. And we just don't have that here. So I've discovered that working this little job that I have, I see a lot of my community on a daily. And I've been able to reach out and give that little bit of hope. But then I have to send them hours from home where they don't have a support system. Hmm. So I'm happy to do that. That makes my heart happy. That's where I want to be working. But we need some stuff here.
0: What, what type of stuff do you think that would be helpful for you? Like, if I you, think we should, yeah, go ahead.
2: We should have some kind of mental health resource in our jail system that meets hmm. with addicts coming in within the first couple of hours. Hmm. I feel like that would have made a huge difference in me going in and out of jail 15 or 20 times in my little county maybe it would have been one or two times and I could have found a recovery path that worked better
1: yeah hmm.
0: that makes makes sense to you is that something that you think you're going to work towards is being that person you know working with the your local county
2: yeah I'm gonna fight with everything in me to get there oh, that's um,
1: incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and anything we can do to be of help to you along your way, we would love to to be that support system. That you know, if you need some help, let us know. We know some people. So, all right, to the next question: um, How are you going to get there? You know, you kind of talked about your dreams a little bit, what you want to do. What What are the steps you're going to take to to actually get to where you want to be
2: like i said i've taken the 40-hour training through the state of tennessee in peer recovery um i have to do 75 hours Mm -hmm. of in-field training and then i can have my complete certification once i get that complete certification i can work in jails hospitals rehab centers um So my hope is to get that certification and get my foot in the door, maybe with one of our local hospitals or even at our local jail, our local mental health system, and pray that God opens a door to put me exactly where I need to be.
0: Hmm.
2: I know that sounds kind of vague, but I trust my higher power, and I feel like if I take the steps to continue toward my dream, that a door will be open where he'll put me right where I'm needed.
0: Yeah, yeah, I understand that completely. Um, what, what could you do in between right now and finishing your peer recovery um, certification to, to help move, maybe, you know, maybe make a difference today, tomorrow, next week. Um, do you have any ideas on what you could do to start, start getting into the community right now?
2: Well, yes, I make myself available to anybody that's struggling. Um, people that are around me know they can message me or call me, and I'm going to stop what I'm doing more than likely to help them. Um, a little story, I recently had one of my elementary school friends message me. He had left rehab, but he hadn't used yet. So he reached out to me, and I helped get him a bed and a rehab. I don't know what's happened from there exactly, but I feel like I'm putting these little fillers out in the community where I'm making myself available for people. And it's making a little bit of a difference. I definitely want to reach out to my local government officials.
0: Hmm. That's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that you were able to help your your friend from elementary school. I mean, I'm basically the same age as you are. And that was quite a few years ago. And to see that you guys still have that connection and that relationship is really nice. Nice that... (laughs)
2: Yeah, I was I was gone from my community for a lot of years in active addiction. I have done a lot mm. of destruction in my little community <laughs> in my active mm. addiction. So all these people from my childhood see my change. Yeah, and that that's enough for them to trust me. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of peer recovery. They see what I went through. They see what I have. Now and how far I've come. And it's like there's this little glimmer of I can do that. So they're comfortable to reach out to me because I've been there.
1: I love that. And I think that is what is so important about being honest and being vulnerable about the truth of our lives and the struggle that we may have experienced because. I mean, it's painful. It's embarrassing, at least for me, you know, Um, I am ashamed. I mean, I've worked really hard on, you know, forgiving myself and, and letting go of a lot of that shame. But part of the letting go was in being open about it and recognizing that I could help other people and that I'm not perfect and that we all make mistakes and, you know, we all have struggle and I think there, the stigma out there is one of the most dangerous things preventing people from getting well, when you feel like you're the only one who's yeah. done something bad or who has struggled and, you know, the stigma around addiction is just so, you know, painful for so many, but by you, um, being visible in the community, you know, like, you're, you're now trusted. You're, you're a safe person for someone to go and share their own personal struggle with. And, you know, it's just, it's awesome. And that's, that's the main key. So
2: where I've found my happiness is right there being that person, even if it's for one other person, being that trusted non-judgmental person to give a little hope.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: I was, I was thinking when you were, you know, kind of talking about um, answering the last question and I, and maybe this is just me, I don't know for you, but like, would you, would it be something you would be interested in is like going to the hospital now or like the jail now and saying like, Hey, like, I don't have my certificate yet. I'm working on it. Is there anything I can do for you guys in my current capacity? Like this is who I am now and starting to build that relationship with them before you have, you know, the final certificate. Because as you said, like,
2: you can help people right now. Yeah. And I have actually reached out to our county clerk's office and the general Sessions judge um, that's another little story where God worked a small miracle in my life. Um, of course, had lots of fines and court costs in the DUI. So I recently went to the clerk's office to check on how much it was and paying my stuff off. And one of the ladies took my file before the judge and vouched for me about how good I was doing, what I was doing. And this judge forgave all my fines and fees and enabled me to have my license. Well, permit, wow. I had to start all over, but he enabled me to have the opportunity within 24 hours to have that suspended revoked status removed.
0: Wow. That's so That's amazing.
2: I immediately reached back out to them and let them know how much it meant to me and what I wanted to do. And that if I could ever be a help in the court system to please let me know Nice. so I've started that process a little bit
0: cool awesome what else what other actions can you take to to keep moving towards that like that help you know really really getting into the system because the system especially like the jail system and you know the government that can be a really hard system to get <laughs> into it.
2: yeah um, and it's
0: very broken. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody talks to anybody. So it's like, no. what, what else can you do to to keep, keep walking through that door to keep saying like, Hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. I'm really trying to help you guys. Like I want to help other people so that they can get better.
2: It's been on my mind to reach out to my local probation office. And I actually went to high school with our mayor our county cool. mayor nice so I could reach out to him yeah. To see. yeah I mean
0: you've already done so much for yourself and for your community so much that the judge was like hey this this person's really really changed their life and just that story and you know you working I guess a little more than halfway through your certificate that that shows a lot a yeah. lot of work and I think anybody would be happy to help you at least I would know I already am
2: those are some things I could do today
0: cool that I'd love to hear what what happens with that you know when we get off the phone let us know how it goes maybe we'll have you on again
1: awesome (laughs) awesome I I love that so much of your journey to uncover happiness for your own life involves um, being in service to others I mean, that's, that's something that, um, it's, it's so interesting because in, in recovery, there's so much emphasis on self-care and focusing on yourself. And I feel like that's a balance. How, how would you say you balance that in your own life, balancing, taking care of yourself, but also being in service to others? Sometimes it can be a very fine line. Um,
2: Like I said, I take time out for myself. I had to learn to do that because early on, I wanted to just say, you know, here I am. I'm doing better. Just look at me. So I spent all my time trying to make amends or make people around me see I wasn't going to repeat past behavior and it was exhausting. Yeah. So I had to learn and trust my higher power to take care of myself. Take, even if it's two minutes out of my day, every day, take two minutes to just take a deep breath and say, okay, I'm doing okay. Do I need to pray about something? Do I need to sit down and, and read my devotional again? Do I need to go take a hot shower and talk to God for a minute to regain my balance? It was a huge, long process of learning to retrain my thoughts and know when to take that moment
0: how how do you know when to take that moment I, I know it's different for everybody but what is it like for you
2: I've learned when to notice when I start feeling overwhelmed hmm. when I start feeling anxious then I'm I've I don't really know how to tell you I've just learned to to pick up on my my own cues of like okay maybe I need to go take a minute but, it's just been a process of retraining my thoughts and learning how to catch those behaviors of, you know, maybe I'm not paying enough attention to my own mental health.
0: Yeah. So it's yeah, so a huge
2: you, work in progress, but I'm, I'm learning a lot about when to take those self-care moments.
0: So it seems like you're able to, you're, you're more mindful of what is actually going on, as they say, between your ears, whether it's the anxiety or, you know, you're not being present or you're, you know, you're thinking about whatever you're thinking about and you're probably, you know, you should be thinking about something else because you're at work and you should be doing work. But wow. I think that's really great that you have that awareness of, Hey, like come back. Yeah. What's, what's happening inside my head doesn't need to be happening And it's okay that it's happening because that that's just the way our body works. But like, come back, come back self. And And you've learned what works.
2: Yeah. I'm still working on that. I'll probably be working on that for the rest of my life, but it's, it's taken a good two and a half years probably to get to where I pay attention to my thoughts and my heart more so than what's going on
0: around me. Mm, yeah. It, it takes like some
2: that. self-discipline.
0: Mm, I like that. Paying attention to your heart. Mm, cool. Uh, let's see. Carrie, you want to go for the bonus question?
1: Um, I have one other thing I want to ask about um, before we go to the bonus question. So I'm so curious, like before you like Did you, all right, let me figure out how to word this. (laughs) All right, so your dream and your path that you're on to help others, did you always know that was something that you wanted to do? Or was that the result of the the gifts that you've been given and the support that you've been given that then led to you wanting to give back? You know, I, I really believe that in the giving of yourself, you can discover yourself and you, you discover like either by what we've received. Sometimes we want to then give to others, but then also when we give to others, we find our true purpose. And it really sounds as though for you, um, you know, you were given a chance, you were given someone trusted in you, that person who spoke on your behalf. And then and now you want to give back so much. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a little more about that relationship. And was this always something that you thought you would want to do, or did you discover it through your process? I mean, I, I've always
2: tried to be a kind, big hearted person, but it's something that I've discovered along my journey. Like in my active addiction, I could burned a lot of bridges. There was my family, for example, you know, my kids quit talking to me. I lost custody of them. My family on my dad's side, they didn't cut me out. I cut myself out. Like I just walked away from them. So along this journey, I heard somebody tell me you can only give away what you have. Uh, yeah. So I decided I wasn't going to hide anymore. I wasn't going to lie anymore. I was going to commit myself to this journey no matter what happened. Mm -hmm. And I did that. So I've built my trust back. I've got my family welcomed me back like the prodigal son, like I would never left. It was all discovery along my journey. So if I can take all the raw broken pieces of me and what I've been through, and be honest and tell somebody else they're not alone. I've discovered it helps me probably more than it helps them.
0: <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's so true because it helps you. And that way you can give it away.
2: Yeah. I'm not holding on to all this shame and this guilt and this self-pity. Mm if I can give that away to somebody else that's holding on to it hopefully one day they can let go of it by giving it away
1: yeah yeah oh thank you so much for just sharing more about that that's just such a great story and that's not an easy thing to do no
2: (laughs) we do we do some crazy stuff in our active addictions and so to say I I lied I cheated I stole I You know, I've done all this stuff. I drove down the road high and could have run over somebody and killed them. Like, to admit to that stuff, it takes a lot. It doesn't happen overnight.
0: Yeah, what what I like about being vulnerable and sharing about those things is that it actually takes more energy. I mean, this isn't scientific. This is just how I feel. I think it, it takes more energy to hold that stuff in forever than it is to just like get it out once and be like oh that felt so strange and weird I didn't like it like yeah Yeah. sure that's like strange at first but then you do it again you're like wow that was like that was great
2: yeah yeah you definitely get more energy by releasing it than than holding
1: it in yeah Mm -hmm. and you start to realize how how you won't be judged as harshly as you thought you would be. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yes. We we severely overestimate the consequences of taking a risk. Yes, We we severely (laughs) underestimate our ability to handle it.
2: When I came back into my community, I thought I was walking into a breeding ground of people looking at me like, oh, I can't believe she's back here. I can't believe she would show her face. Like, I just thought all these people were looking at me like I was horrible. But I learned with my job at this little convenience store (laughs) that all these people were rooting for me. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: All these people were saying, I'm glad to have you back. You look so good. I'm glad you're doing so good. My elementary bus driver... (laughs) (laughs) offered me a job to clean his bus every so often. Now, to me, that was bigger than I can put into words because this elder from my community that saw all the destruction that I caused was glad to have me back and Mm. saw something in me to trust me at his home. Yeah. (laughs) That's indescribable to me yeah so we are definitely much harder on ourselves <laughs> you're absolutely right
0: it's it's funny the way we judge ourselves the stories we judge ourselves when somebody's looking at us it's like oh man they're looking at me it must be they must be thinking terrible things yes but in reality they're probably like wow like she's back like i'm so excited to see her like ah and inter- it's yeah
2: that's absolutely been my experience
1: yeah Yeah.
0: if we just get outside of our own negative thoughts and start interacting with people you'll find out that what's inside your head is not always right
2: right Uh yeah that's like i said the difference in what my mind and my heart (laughs) say and the struggle between them it's no easy task and it takes a lot of time and effort but if if people can learn to to pay attention to those different cues and know oh is this negative self talk or is this really bad or is this maybe just me uh, you probably figure out a lot of it's just you and that's yeah. that's your inner <laughs> demons <laughs> yep. and if you can figure that out and decide when not you say like me I'll be like no that's not going to come back in my mind today that's not true usually my day's a little better <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it's hard it's hard sometimes especially when like the the negatives keep piling on top to be like no it's okay no it's okay and that little like no it's okay voice gets quieter and quieter <laughs> yeah. and the negatives just get louder yeah but, but even that's okay like we're all allowed to have bad yeah. days or we're we're not feeling like we can overpower or overcome that stuff like that's totally cool it's yeah
2: it's yeah the struggles normal. Definitely real, and it's okay to have those days. <laughs> yeah. yeah and you know just...
1: what's so special about being a peer recovery specialist is that your experience in active addiction is the number one strength that you can pass on in a business yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. so, so, it was something that we uh, were ashamed of, and um, you know, couldn't wait to put past, is now the thing that is giving you the most strength and experience that you can then use to help others. Yes. Hmm.
0: Amazing world we live in.
1: Yep. All right. (laughs) Thank you so much, (laughs) Samantha. All right. We're going to move into our bonus question. And that is, what's the most exciting thing that's happened to you this year? the most exciting
2: thing there's been a lot of exciting things um, I got to watch my granddaughter be born last December nice. Nice. and I went from thinking my kids would never forgive me to having this unbreakable bond with my kids Oh, mm-hmm. so my youngest daughters lived with me for over a year now. And I got to be with my oldest daughter and watch that baby be born.
0: <laughs> wow. And is birth that's, is, that's your first. Yeah. Yeah.
1: My first grandbaby. Wow. Yeah. Birth is <laughs> such a special experience. I've heard my entire life, the miracle of birth, right? Yeah. But it wasn't until I saw my first nephew, uh, be born that I was like, that's why they call it a miracle. That's a special experience. Yeah. And that Mm -hmm. is so exciting. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Congratulations. Yeah.
1: Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then, um, our last thing that we do to kind of wrap up the podcast is, um, is share a quote. And we just want to ask you after I read it, um, reactions, thoughts, feelings, do you agree, disagree, like, you know, just first thing that comes to your mind, Um, just want to hear how you feel about it. So this quote is from uh, Seneca, a stoic writer. And he said, true happiness is to enjoy the present without anxious dependence upon the future. What do you think? Wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's probably some of the truest words I've ever heard. Um, but it's hard to do that. It's hard not to to worry about what's coming tomorrow or next week or but yeah, yeah. Enjoying the present is the best advice I can give anybody. So I, I like that quote.
1: <laughs> cool. Yeah. Certainly is hard. I I feel as though I've been trying to live like this for a long time. And it's, it's not something that's one and done. You have to keep trying for that every day. I honestly thought that that quote was going to end with dwelling in the
2: past, more or less. (laughs) So Uh when you said future, that kind of threw me. But wow. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome quote. (laughs)
0: uh (laughs) I love your reaction that that's that's just the best I could tell you're still thinking about it
2: yeah (laughs) definitely (laughs)
0: well that concludes our interview today Samantha thank you so much for being here thank y'all of course of course I also want to thank all our listeners out there and I wanted to let everyone know that we do have a worksheet to help you uncover your happiness. It's a free resource we made for you, and it will lead you to find out who you are now, who you want to be, and how you are going to get there. If you want the link to the worksheet, it will be in the description below.
1: And if you're interested in being on the podcast, there will also be information shared for that as well. So thank you for taking this time with us today. Have a great day.
0: See ya. Thank you.
1: Peace.